0: Well, I hope as we are now into this uh, series on our vision and where we honestly as leadership believe God is calling us as we go forward into the next three to five to 10 years, that's up to God, right? That uh, you're being inspired, that you're dreaming big dreams, that you're sensing indeed that God is in the things that we're sharing with you today. A couple of weeks ago, we handed out these little Gospels of John, and in the front, of, uh, and in the back cover is actually our vision statement written out and if you weren't here then and if you didn't get one please make sure you do today, they'll be available after the service but we want you to, to study and to read and to understand these things and, and, and to pray and to seek the mind of God and indeed what we as elders are, are suggesting is if we have been led well, if this is the mind of God for us as a church you know what, the people of God will discern the same thing and I'm sensing that. I'm sensing that as you share with me your thoughts about what I've spoken now for a couple of weeks, you're saying, oh, this is exciting. And I hope it becomes an inspiring thing for you. We talked in, in uh, last week about what I think of as foundational, how the word of God is transformative, and it will make us people who are, who are mature followers of Jesus living our lives passionately uh, for the kingdom in every area of life, all areas of life, And that comes as we study and deepen our knowledge of scripture. It it comes and it will come as we engage healing care groups. It comes as we have now um, Christian counseling at IPC through By Peaceful Waters, that group that's sponsoring that marriage weekend, which I would highly recommend to you, uh, no matter where you are in your relationship, as Carl said. Today we're going to look at the internal dynamic, how we are going to be built up otherwise, how we can... Uh, While we we think of ourselves and the experience of what church is for us can be transformed and then in a couple of weeks after a break for Thanksgiving we're going to talk about the Outworking of all this the outreach our our vision literally goes from the internal to the external take a look later, and you'll see that it's there and um, We're just looking for God to inspire God's people um, As we have been inspired as elders and you know, I, I want to share a little story with you just as I begin today, because I thought, how am I going to preach such a uh, large vision to our people? Uh, initially, I thought, well, I'll do the introduction with the Noah story, which I did a few weeks ago, and the place of vision in the life of a church and how significant and powerful that can be. And, and then I thought, well, I'll just preach one sermon on all of the nine sentences that are there, and then I'll probably do a conclusion. And I thought, wait a minute, even I would get bored with vision if I did that. And I thought that's not gonna inspire anybody. And at the same time I was preparing that first sermon on the Noah story and 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 I looked at it and and as you know I was thinking about what vision is and how we define it and all those things that we discussed a few weeks ago. And I looked at the story and and I said, you know what, here are eight people in a boat for what proved to be over a year. Did you know that's how long the text says Noah and his family were in the ship? The ark, as we call it. Long, long time. And and I thought, you know what? That's enforced community. (laughs) Eight people. That's a small group. (laughs) And I thought, can I preach small group from the Noah story? And my first reaction was literally, no, that's hokey. That's silly. You can't do that, Chris. I mean, they had to do it because God told them to do it. Hmm. And then I started to look at it, and I thought, you know what? Um, How did Noah get that ship built? I mean, he didn't do it on his own. There had to be others who became involved and they journeyed together under God. That will become familiar with you in, uh, for you in a minute if, if you haven't read the vision yet. Probably his family was caught up in the vision of, of Noah. It doesn't really say that, but the vision that Noah heard from God, they heard from Noah and they jumped in to do God's will with all their heart. And then over that, the course of that year, they would have had to work hard together, together, this shared life of doing what God had called them to do. You know, they had to care for the animals, but think about it beyond that. They had to deal with one another through good times and bad times. I mean, they would have had times of celebration and joy, but they would have struggled. You know when you get in a small group with people, like eight people, and you're all family, and you're all stuck in in a confined space, what happens? You had mothers-in-law and daughters-in-law on the same boat, right? (laughs) You had fathers and sons. That's always not smooth sailing. No pun intended, but uh, (laughs) it just struck me. But you know, the reality, the reality is they would have had times of struggle and challenge and difficulty and they would have times with which they would have found precious and memorable and they would have held on to for the rest of their lives. And then, then after the, 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 the ark landed on solid gro- ground, the joy of being together, the joy of having survived and they then worshipped together, as we'll talk about in a few weeks, And then the challenge of repopulating the earth and making making it thrive. Think of the closeness they would have developed. Think of their connection with God that would have emerged as they followed him together. Think of them journeying together. Think of the growth uh, that they would have had in their lives as they saw God answering prayer and providing for them and intervening in their lives in dynamic ways. Remember, they're the only people on earth alive. My friends, I want to tell you that the more I thought about it, the more I thought this is dynamic small group ministry. This is the, at the heart of their experience, people bo- binding, being bound together in faith, following the Lord together, discovering the reality of God in their midst, doing the work of God of great significance. I thought, I'm going to preach that sucker. <laughs> now I want you to listen to the sentence in our vision on love loving community. We see a loving church where people journey together and find authentic community within life-changing small group settings. Where meaningful relationships are formed, faith is deepened, and spiritual gifts are released to the glory of God and serve others. Um, I want to say this, and I want this uh, to be heard. In our understanding, small groups are not a program which some people might engage It's not a program which we set up that we think is like other programs in the life of the church, which we hope some people will enter into. This is ministry. It's a ministry which literally we use to form the life of our congregation. This is how we do church. This is it. This is critical to who we are. And as a result, I said this a few weeks ago, I'm going to say it again, and I want you to hear it. We minimize the internal dynamic and activity in in, in this building. We could get, keep you busy by having you come here constantly and spending all your time in this place fulfilling the functions of keeping this church functioning here. We could. A lot of churches do that. But we minimize the internal ministry of the church to the critical ones. Worship, this is important. Leadership, you know, the elders and their committees. Youth and children's ministry and so forth. so forth. We minimize the internal activities so that we can free people to go out and to engage community. Share their life together through small group dynamic, and then to go from that small group dynamic into the world in service. This is how we envision IPC. At the heart of this is what's called authentic community. Authentic community. Real, honest sharing of life with people who love the Lord Jesus. Doing life together in love and in grace so that we put up with our foibles and we forgive. Doing life together with openness and in trust, which allows people to be real with each other? You know, none of this, you know, I'm perfect and I expect you to be perfect too, nonsense. Can I ask you in your small group experience, assuming that you have one, are you real and are you honest with one another about the the struggles and the challenges and the difficulties of life? Are you willing to take off the masks and really share who you are in your heart? You know, as, as we do this, as we share and as we, as, as we struggle together and as we get honest with one another, we can find strength and encouragement from Christ through each other. As we go forward together, we want it to be a place of deepening faith as the word of God, listen to me, is studied and learned and applied to, to your lives and mine. Studied, learned, and applied to life. We, we talk about, as, as the sentence said a place where spiritual gifts are released to the glory of God and to serve other people so that just like Noah and his family, the world becomes a place that God wants it to become. You see it? People being built up in faith and sent out to serve in and through their small groups, transformed by worship, transformed by their small group experience, transforming the world as they exercise their gifts, both within their small group and beyond. You see, we remain committed to being a missional church, people empowered and people enabled to intentionally go and change the world. And I want to say to anyone here, if you are not signed up for a small group, do it today. It's the biblical model, and it's one that we have embraced for many, many years, and we continue to do so. What do we need in order to make this happen? I'll tell you, we need a someday a full-time staff person Right now, Carl is part-time in this engagement. It's part of his portfolio of responsibilities. Uh, He's there to lead and encourage and to organize and to train leaders and so forth, and he will. But we need someday someone to say, hey, this is a ministry that needs full-time attention. Some people are asking, how do we pay for all these extra staff people and initiatives that have come and, and yet will be suggested to you. You know, it's, it's really very simple. We're going to grow our church numerically because the more we grow our church numerically as people come to find the Lord Jesus, the more people we will he, he, have here on Sunday mornings, the more people we, who there will be to give in order to sustain and support the ministry and the vision that we have. So, we want to be that loving church. Are you beginning to see it? Are your eyes being opened to a potential new reality and your involvement in it? Second thing then, a compassionate church. Let me read this for you. We see a compassionate church following Christ's example to care for those going through difficult and painful experiences in life, tangibly demonstrating God's love by walking with them to a place of healing, restoration, and renewed joy. This is just another way for us to care for hurting people struggling, broken people, creating small groups, because that's how we do ministry here, isn't it, of people both from our congregation and from our community who are experiencing those really difficult and painful times in life, and as, it, as the vision says, walking beside them to a place of, number one, healing, number two, restoration, and number three, renewed joy. When have been, which times have been the most painful times in your life? Think about that for a minute. And what did you need in those times that would have made a difference for you? You know, what we want to do is just gather people together who were struggling with a similar dynamic and just create a group where Christ is present and where his, the truth of his word is brought to bear in their lives so that they are moved forward and they are blessed and they are healed. And I love the last phrase where they're brought to a place of renewed joy. Now think about grief. Grief is one of the most Devastating and painful things that we'll experience in life. It is actually for many people a de- destabilizing time in life. And I want to tell you, in the midst of that time, people need faith and they need hope and they need love. They need to be told you're going to be OK, because this is what happens as people walk through grief. And Christ is with you, and we are with you, and we're going to see you make your way through this. What about people who experience divorce? You know, divorce just tears your heart out. Marriage is when God bonds people together spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically, and divorce just tears at the fabric of the heart. And it is a hard, hard thing to endure, and people, my friends, need to know that they are not alone, and they need to learn about this experience and what it's all about and how to make their way through. Such a group can do this under the training of a leader who knows what he or she is speaking of. What about groups for parents who have rebellious teenagers (laughs) yeah giggle giggle that too tears your heart out doesn't it and you see the kids the people who are most precious to you going the wrong direction and walking into heartache and trouble and difficulty and you're fearful for them I want to tell you we can make a difference in that as people could learn from those who have gone ahead of them and can coach them about how to handle it and what it means to trust Christ in the midst and how to deal with their teenagers when they really don't know how. I could go on and on and on, but what I'm talking about are short-term groups which will provide for people probably what a regular small group just can't. Their need is too great. And maybe their need is maybe not the best for the small group either because it would be so dominant and so real. So for a time, we we envision putting people into groups where they can encounter the Word of God and they can encounter the Spirit of God and they can find healing, restoration, and renewed joy. Number three, the nurturing church. Let me read that for you. We see a nurturing church supporting and equipping parents to effectively pass on a living Christian faith to their children, preparing the next generation to be grounded followers of Jesus, ready to make a significant difference in their world. This is not new to IPC. We've talked about it a lot, but now we've got to make it happen. You know, the basic biblical teaching here is that if we want to effectively pass faith on to our children, it has to ultimately be the parents who do so. That's the biblical way. Children's ministry, as incredibly important as it is, can only be a complement to what happens in the home in that relationship where parents show their children the reality of faith and lead them into a relationship with the Lord. And I want to tell you, my friends, faith at home is primarily a ministry to parents too, as the text says, support and equip them to teach them how to impact their kids' lives for Christ. You know, the old Sunday school model that a lot of us who maybe are a little older grew up with was established 200 and more years ago for street kids to teach them how to read, but somehow that model has been so embraced that we now think, or many people think, that is how my kid is going to be led into a relationship with Jesus. And here's the news that I've spoken to you before it's not working anymore. Six and ten kids leave Christian homes, and they also, at the same time, as they grow up and move on, they leave the church. And many, many kids are growing up in this society which is secular, which teaches children through media, through, 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 through schooling and so many other ventures that you need to think about yourself and you need to think about life and you need to think about this world void of a God. And many of our kids are growing up with an idea of, of morality and value systems and so forth and it's not rooted in scripture and it's not rooted in the reality of what we believe. And they are embracing the ideas of the world and they're walking away from Christ. Six in ten kids leaving the church after they leave home is a devastating statistic. And at the end of the day, what this comes down to is we have to do things differently. We have to do things differently. And I want you to think about Noah for a minute. And I want you to think, if you would, about this basic belief in the faith at home mentality and that is that faith at home starts with parents who have grown into a strong relationship with the lord jesus christ that when people according to sentence number one have come to that place where they have been formed into spiritually mature followers of jesus by the power of the word and the uh, healing uh, uh, of the holy spirit of god in their lives and who are living Passionately to bring the kingdom into all areas of life. It is such people who are going to transform the lives of their children or through whom the spirit will transform the lives of their children. And I want you to think about Noah and I want you to recognize that he was such a man. Genesis 6 verses 9 and 10 say this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Now listen, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God. And it says this, Noah had three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Um, here is a man whose faith was real and whose faith impacted his children. He heard from God and he obeyed God. Was he mocked? That's part of the story that's developed. It doesn't really tell us in the text if he mocked, It was mocked, but he probably was. Why build a boat? such a large boat in a place that's not near water, yet he showed unreserved commitment to live for his God and in obedience to what God told him to do, he acted. He gave his life to accomplish the thing that God gave him to do. My friends, I want to tell you, those sons of his must have seen faith exude from this man. They saw the reality of of God in him and faith in God in him and a love for God in him. And somehow it impacted them to the point where they joined him in the journey. My friends, you can't give away what you don't have as a parent. And that begins with people coming to this place of discipleship, of a deep encounter with God, transformed by the word of God, healed by the Holy Spirit of God, so that we can display to our children who Christ is and what it means to follow him. And when we get parents to that end, then we can begin to teach them how to impact their kids' lives spiritually. For example, we could come along. I can remember becoming a parent. You know what I knew about parenting? Zip. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You bring this little bundle of joy home, and you're going, oh oh goodness me. <laughs> what am I going to do, change diapers? Yeah, and you've, we had a mother-in-law there. That's the way it works often, right? Okay, you do this, and then you do this, and you wipe here, and you put it back on again. And You know nothing about being a parent other than the model that you had growing up, and sometimes that was really good, and sometimes it was really bad, but for the most part, it was a mixture of both because our parents were human as we're human. And can you imagine having people at IPC who would come along to a parent and say, listen, let me help you be the parent that God is calling you to be so that your life can be powerfully impactful in the life of your children. How to pray for your children effectively. You ever thought about that? How do I pray for my children effectively? You know, how do I discipline them in a godly way, a biblical way, in a loving way, but yet discipline them still? Because we know what happens when kids don't get disciplined. You know, how, how, do we, how do we love our children in a practical way so that they end up really believing that they are loved? That's our job as parents, isn't it? To convince them that they're lovable through our love. You know, it's possible to love a child but not show them love by the way that you act toward them. It's possible, and we can learn, how we can teach how that gets done. You know, how about the idea of what it means to be a mom in a child's life, in a girl's life, or, or a son's life? What does it mean to be a dad in a girl's life? Or a, or a boy's life. What does it mean, you know, to take those teachable moments, those moments when children's hearts are opened and to bring Christ into the midst of it and to bring scripture into it in an effective way that's transformative to them? What about teaching them to pray as a family so that all of a sudden they're seeing God answer prayer in our family life or when their needs arise and they are just blown away by the reality of God when they're six? So that when they get to 16, they've grown up knowing that God is real. What does it mean to teach our kids to discern God's will as they go forward? What does it mean to, to, to engage children in mission as a family so that they don't grow up thinking that the world is all about them and as a matter of fact, my faith in God himself exists to bless me. Rather, we exist to bless God. I mean, there is so much that we could talk about here, but we need, my friends, to be a church which says to parents, we are here for you. Can you imagine being known as that church which builds into family life in such a fashion that their kids are being impacted profoundly? Now, in the end of the day, our children's salvation is in the hands of God, but we, we can enable parents. Here again, we need a staff person. We need someone to teach parents to be like Noah, (laughs) to listen To the voice of God to follow in the way of the Lord Jesus to live an obedient faithful life before their children even as they parent their children so much so that their children experience the dynamic of God in the midst the next statement is a statement about being a visionary church we see a visionary church where gifted leaders encourage and support God's people in the implementation of all aspects of the vision And mentor emerging leaders to serve the church and become agents of change in their world. Very simply, my friends, we need capable leaders to lead in all aspects of our vision and in all aspects of our ministry because without leadership, without leaders leading, things do not thrive. But where leaders are serving, where they are enabled, where they are empowered, the ministry of Christ does thrive. See, leadership is a gift to the church from God. He enables some people to catch vision, to, to inspire people, to recruit people to the task, to enable them as they go, to strategize so that the vision becomes a reality. Let me ask you this question: Do you, do you think Noah was a leader? Some say yes. I think he was. I think he was a remarkable leader. Genesis six, verse twenty-two. Noah did everything, just as God. Commanded him. Is there is there a better definition than leadership when God commanded him to build an ark? <laughs> I mean, he heard from God. He caught the vision. He, you know, he inspired people. You don't build a four, hundred and fifty foot long ship on your own. He had to recruit people into the vision. He had to enable them, and he persisted until the job got done. And there are people in our in this room right now who are leaders who are not leading in the church. You may be leading in business, and that's fantastic, and God calls you to it, and so you should do it. But can I suggest that we need leaders to rise up among us and to say, hey, that is what God has called me to. Let me lead until the job gets done. I bet you there are people in this room who are leaders and don't even know it. That's not an uncommon reality. So my friends, as... Noah led, so we are to lead. And then, lastly, in terms of the sentences today, the creative church. We see a creative church embracing the imagination as a gift from God to every person where innovative approaches to life and faith abound. The creative arts flourish, and and truth and beauty is expressed with excellence in the language of our culture. You know, some of you might see this and say, Chris, what on earth does that mean? you know, the question really becomes how are we going to make an impact as a congregation in this world? How are we going to do that? How are we going to do church as we go forward? I want to tell you in so many ways it cannot be the way that it used to be. The world has changed so dramatically. We need creativity, imagination, and innovation in everything we do. You know... I would say that is the case because God is creative and imaginative. And I want to tell you, every single person created in the image of God, which means everybody, has the capacity for imagination. As a result, the capacity for creativity. You know, we're the only living, created beings with imagination who can imagine things being different than they are, who can dream about what could be, some people come along and say, oh, I'm not creative. Well, I don't believe that. Everybody has the capacity to engage the imagination and to be creative. I'm to put it this way. You know, when I grew up, you know, we sought to lead people to faith through logical argumentation. You know, here are the five reasons, here are the five proofs which suggest that Jesus actually did bodily rise from the grave. It was rational, if you would, scientific approach to defending the faith and trying to convince others of the faith. You know, today, people just don't care about that kind of thing. It's not important to them. The language of the culture is the language of imagination and creativity. Think, for example, about what impacts people today. What has brought the huge cultural shift on a practical level into the world as we as we know it right now? I want to tell you Story is powerful in people's minds and in their imaginations. I would guess that movies have impacted people in the last two generations more in our country than the Bible has by far. Novels, which people read, which make a point. Television programs that drive home a point through storytelling. And I want to tell you, my friends. When we look at this story of Noah and the ark and the flood, you know, God's solution to the circumstance of the day was incredibly creative. Talk about thinking outside the box. And can you imagine when God came along to Noah and said, you know, I've, I've got a job for you. I want you to dream big dreams. I want you to build an ark. Like, do you think that man was able to think outside the box? <laughs> well, we'll just sacrifice a little more for our sins. We'll worship you a little more. Somehow, that man, in his God-given capacity, was able to imagine something out of nothing, if you would. And then he gave his hands to create this thing which would save humanity. Right? And I want to tell you, my friends, at IPC, we have got to be a creative and imaginative and innovative church. And to that end, we are committing ourselves. In all that we do, worship, you know, probably most of you think, oh, creativity and imagination. Well, that's for the worship people. They can do dramas and they can have nice videos which make us laugh and interviews and all those sorts of things. Note the words. Um, uh, Innovative approaches to life and faith abound. It's not just on, on a Sunday morning. Children's ministry, what did I just describe? We have to innovate. We have to innovate, we have to do it differently so that kids find Jesus and are transformed by the power of the word of God. Youth ministry, if it doesn't work in an old model, jettison the old model and find a new way to do it until we are discovering God transforming lives. Small groups, which many of you are part of and which many of you lead, think outside the box as opposed to the way we've always done it in order that the work of God might be done, not only in the lives of your people, but in the life of this world. Let me say it again. God is creative. God has given us the capacity for imagination because he's got one. He dreamed up the boat. And God is innovative. And he is open to innovation, and he calls us to it. You know, so often in the church, we get stuck in the past. Oh, well, that's, we've never done it that way. That's the way it's always been. That hasn't particularly characterized IPC. You know, I wouldn't be standing here without my teaching robes and without an organ somewhere around here if we weren't willing to innovate. But my friends, it's time to step it up again. When I came, you know, and, and, and sought some, uh, to bring some innovi- innovative ideas to IPC, I was 30 years old, and it was in the 1990s. And I said to some of our staff lately, listen, I'm 58. The cool new ideas aren't coming from this guy. I need you. You know what I mean by that? Will we be open to such a thing? Will we be open to the Spirit of God moving in new ways and calling us to being the faithful church of Christ in the way that will be effective in this generation? Noah was. We must be too. Let me wind down by saying this. I want you to remember. I want you to remember the context in which Noah found himself. The need was great. Sin and evil prevailed. Judgment and salvation is the story of Noah and the flood. And God came and God gave a vision. And Noah heard the vision and he gave his life to the fulfillment of it. Today I want to tell you the need is great. The story is still a story of judgment and salvation. The world is under the judgment of God, and God has come in the person of Jesus so that we might be freed of it, so that we might be forgiven of our sin, so we might come to that place where we are fully embraced by God and will be for all eternity as God builds his church and as God builds his people, which will last through all of eternity. And God comes to us, and he speaks a vision, and he says to us, will you embrace what I am speaking My friends, it is for us to form the life of our church around that which God has spoken. The Lord needs a vibrant, and can I put it this way, spiritually powerful church to tell people the story of Jesus. We need to share the story of salvation from beginning to end, that God has formed this world which has fallen into sin, but he has come to us in the person of Christ to take it back and to make it what he wants it to be again. As we go from here in just a few minutes, can I ask you this? What will this vision that's being unfolded to you and will be for a couple more Sundays after Thanksgiving, what will it mean in your life? What will it mean for you? The church is nothing if it's not just a bunch of people who are united in the faith of Jesus and who come together to work and to worship God, work for and to worship the Lord. We are united in Christ. We are people who in, are in relationship with his God, who is a visionary God, who is, who, who is a passionate God, who, who desires to see this world made new. And I guess in many ways the, the story or the question is a very simple story in reflection upon Noah and his experience. Will we be like him? Will we be righteous in the eyes of God and blameless? People of deep faith and conviction. He was a small group guy. Will we be? He was a faith-at-home guy. We can too. He was a visionary leader. Will we allow those visionary leaders to rise up? And when they rise up, will we follow them, those of us who aren't leaders? And even if we are, if we're in the position of following, will we follow well? Will we be creative and innovative taking risks and trusting what God has spoken, that the world might know of Jesus and be transformed in his name. Noah was a man who lived his life in the end. He lived his life in the end for that which God called him to. I pray we will as well as a congregation and as individual people who want nothing more than to participate in the God story, the thing which God is calling us us to here and now, that the world might know of Jesus and find salvation in him. Let's pray. Lord, it's not always easy to be yours, as it mustn't have been easy for Noah so long ago to hear the voice of God speaking into his life, telling him, calling him to do something that he probably had never thought of and didn't necessarily want to do, but God, as he stepped into the story, as he stepped in by faith and obedience to your will for his life, what an incredible thing you did through him, and what an incredible journey he walked. Father, we want to be people of faith. We want to be people who are transformed by the power of your word and the healing work of the Holy Spirit. We want to be people who put worship and prayer central to our lives. And then all of what we've discussed today, Lord, we want this church to thrive internally so that we will be a powerful force externally. So, Lord, I pray for these people gathered here today as they hear these things, as they listen to what could be among us. Father, we pray together that you will, you will help us all to discern well, number one. You will help us to come to that place where we just say, now we know what God is calling us to. Father, make it clear in each life, and in specific ways make it clear, Lord, how each of us might participate in this vision. And God, as a congregation, we pray that you will form us, and that you will move by your Holy Spirit in such powerful ways, that the world will be saved through us. God, we can't save the whole world, but what a difference we can make as we just give our lives to the vision that you have so, lead us, Lord, each of us here and as a congregation. Do the work in us that you once did in Noah and that you need to do in us so that we get drawn into the action of God in this world in new ways. Father, we thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have saved us. And thank you that you are willing to use us to save others and to see this world transformed by your power. Guide us, Lord. Bless us. Inspire us. Show us the way forward. And this we pray in the name of Jesus.